we're going to continue the series, the second volume in the series of uh, Rich Through His Poverty. And uh, in the previous teaching, we had a look at tithing and um, the, the fact that tithing is actually not applicable to the church. Uh, she's not uh, instructed of the Lord to tithe under the new covenant. Uh, we saw that under the new covenant that we sow uh, seed and our, uh, our reaping is directly proportional to the seed that we sow. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And then we also have a look at um, how God um, teaches us to profit and He teaches us to create wealth. And um, all of that is applicable to us being able to walk in the prosperity that the Lord has called us to. Today what we want to look at in uh, this area of prosperity, walking in financial prosperity, is um, our adversary. We want to look at uh, what it is that Satan does in this area because uh, Satan can impact the life of the believer quite dramatically in this area if we allow him to and we need to understand um, what it is that the believer can do to prevent Satan from gaining access to them in the area of their finances. And so the scripture we want to open up with today um, is in John chapter 10 verse 10. And so our Lord speaking, he says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And so our Lord is you know, very clearly in this passage of scripture is talk is contrasting himself uh, to Satan. Uh, and he calls Satan the thief. And he says that Satan is the one who comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. But our Lord has come that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. And so, you know, it's very clear in scripture as to who the, the destroyer is and who the giver of life is. Satan is the destroyer and our Lord Jesus is the one who gives us life and life more abundantly. And so when believers have material possessions stolen from them, then it is the thief who steals those possessions from them. Um, now it's obviously not Satan in, in the flesh coming and stealing, he motivates others to work on his behalf. And so, but he is the initiator of anything that is stolen from believers. When believers have sicknesses and diseases that attack their physical bodies so that they have to incur medical expenses, um, thus reducing their financial prosperity uh, in order to uh, combat those medic uh, that sickness and that disease. Well, again, the initiator be behind that is our adversary, the devil. He is the one who puts sickness and disease upon um, individuals in this world. And then again, also, when people incur um, it, it, um, acts of destruction in their lives, for arguments like a motor vehicle accident, for arguments like tax place, again, the initiator behind that, by and large, is our adversary, the devil. For our Lord is very clear on this issue. He said that it is the thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is Satan's primary motivation, and he will always do what he can to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so any area of our lives, when we experience that type, those types of incidents in our lives, we can be fully assured that the one who has initiated the, those incidents occurring in our lives 
is Satan himself. It is him and his angels um, that have come against us in our, our lives and have caused those incidents to take place in our lives. And our Lord is not um, confused about the issue because he said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, he has given us eternal life, but the abundant life that he expects us to walk in is the life free from that which the, the adversary brings about, uh, stealing, destru destruction, and ultimately killing uh, of as many people as he can. That's what Satan's agenda is. And so we just need to get a, you know, a lot of Christians are confused about this issue. A lot of Christians, you know, they don't know whether it's Satan or God who's uh, putting sickness on their bodies. Well, you know, a lot kind of just put it out there very plainly. He said, you know, I've come to give you God life. I didn't come here to give you sickness. He didn't come to give us disease. He didn't come to steal from us. And so when people, I don't know, when, uh, I don't know, they, something gets stolen, their motor vehicle gets stolen. You know, did God, is God trying to teach me something? Well, no. You know, your adversary, the devil, is the one who stole your car. Jesus didn't come to steal from us. Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. So we need to have a very clear perspective on the issue because if we don't, uh, we can't walk in faith on the issue because again, the just shall live by faith and we cannot receive anything from God except by faith. And so if the Christian is confused about this, you know, is, is God putting this sickness on me because he wants to teach me something? Well, now I cannot be thinking God's got his hand in this and then going to God and say, God, won't you heal me? Because, you know, I don't know if it's God doing this. I can't ask God to heal me if he's the one putting sickness on me. And so the Christian cannot exercise their faith in the area. Um, we need to be very clear, as the scripture is, that it is Satan who is the one who is the destroyer. Jesus is the one who gives life. And so when anything takes place in our lives that is not a blessing, sickness is not a blessing, uh, poverty is not a blessing. Um, losing things and accidents are not blessings from God. Um, we need to understand very clearly who the one is who has initiated that. And that is our adversary, the devil. And so, again, as I say, we're going to deal with this area and we're going to um, sustain the blessing of God in our lives then we need to be guarded in this area. Now, we can only be guarded if we understand what is transpiring um, behind the scenes. And uh, behind the scenes, we have two kingdoms at work. We have the kingdom of our light, the uh, kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, and His angels working on our behalf that we may um, experience the abundant life that Jesus has come to give us. Now, there are things we have to do. We're going to go through it in this section today and in the next one as well. Things that we are responsible for, without a doubt. Um, and if we don't keep our part, then God can't keep his part. But the point that we, we need to be very clear about is God wants to um, bless his saints with abundant life. That's why Jesus came. Jesus said, I have come. And he contrasted himself between himself and Satan. He didn't say Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said the thief comes. Now, we all know that the thief that our Lord is referring to is, in fact, the, the person of Satan. And so our Lord is saying, guys, you know, stealing, killing, and destroying in your lives, any of that that occurs in your life, I didn't do it. 
It is your adversary, the devil, who's come to do that. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And so Jesus is not con confused about the issue and he doesn't want his church to be confused about the issue. Satan does. Satan wants the church to be confused about the issue, to ask, you know, question, well, maybe God's involved. Um, so, because if he can do that, well, then the, he's, he's, he's tied the Christian up straight away because the Christian is no longer walking by faith because there is that element of doubt. James says it very plainly. Let him ask of God, but let him ask uh, nothing doubting. For he who doubts is like the waves of the sea being tossed in, uh, to and fro by the wind. Um, let not that man think that he will receive anything from the Lord. And so, you know, we deceive ourselves if we think that because we're in, you know, two minds about an issue, we'll receive from God. No, you've got to be single-minded if you're going to receive from the Lord. You have to be fully convinced in your mind that Jesus wants you to enjoy abundant life. Satan doesn't. And so when you're not enjoying abundant life, it's not because Jesus is trying to withhold it from you. It's because your enemy has got in the way and we need to learn how to deal with our enemy. Um, and cooperate with our Lord so that His abundant life blessing can flow in our lives. So how do we do that? Well, there is such a thing as a hedge um, that gets placed around the life of the believer and believer. And that is so, so, so very, very important. Don't forget, this whole topic we're dealing with primarily finances. And so even though I mentioned sickness and disease, I did mention about the fact that um, Christians that get, uh, have sickness and disease put, put upon their bodies um, and then have to incur medical expenses in order to get well again, well, those mental, medical expenses have to be incurred from their finances. And so Satan has found another way to steal from the believer. Um, and so there are various aspects that Satan would then uh, try and attack the believer in order to uh, diminish their finances and thus um, prevent them from walking in prosperity, the abundant life that our Lord has called us to. Now, the abundant life is not just uh, financial prosperity. It's obviously health that we can walk in, joy, um, peace of mind, all of that. That's the abundant life that our Lord has come to give us. Um, but as I say, primarily in this series, we're dealing with financial prosperity. So that's what we're going to be uh, working around. So the scripture we want to look at, because that's the first time really that we have had this uh, terminology mentioned in scripture, is the hedge. And uh, it's picked up in the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 9 to 10. Um, and it's interesting that it's our adversary that actually brings up the, the, the point. And so the scripture says, So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. And so, you know, this is Satan speaking, um, but he's speaking directly to the Lord. And so what he's saying is factual and correct. He's not going to stand in front of God and lie directly to God. It's just not going to happen. And so what uh, Satan, it, it, this passage is very enlightening to us because it, it kind of opens the, the uh, not the door, the window, kind of, so we can see into the realm that is around us all the time, the spirit realm. For although we dwell in this flesh and we walk around in this physical realm, 
we are spirit beings and there is a spiritual realm that is walking, well not walking alongside, but we're in two realms. We're in the natural and we're in the spiritual. And Satan and his angels are around us in the spirit realm. God and his angels and our Lord Jesus are around us in the spirit realm as well. So, you know, we walk in two different realms. It is the spirit realm that affects the physical realm. That everything that takes place in the physical realm is initiated in the spiritual realm. Doesn't work the other way around. Unless it's through prayer. We initiate prayer um, with our, our voices and so we are able to impact on the spiritual realm from that point of view. But nevertheless, anything that takes place in the natural realm is first initiated in the spirit realm. And so there's a couple of things think, that are revealed to us in this passage that are very enlightening. One is that we see that what it is that God, it is God who blesses us. For that's even what Satan says about that, uh, the whole issue. He says, you have blessed the work of his hands and his possession have increased in the land. And so it's God who blesses us. And it's interesting to see what God blesses. God blesses the work of our hands. That's what uh, Satan mentioned that uh, God had blessed the work of Job's hands. And so it's so important for believers to find whatever they can do to do it with all their might. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9.10 says that we're to do it with all our might because God can only bless the work of our hands. Um, and so if we choose not to work, remember that's what we saw earlier in, in the, uh, the New Testament epistles, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. And so... When we do work, we're to work as unto the Lord, and then God is then able to bless the work of our hands. So it's a very important concept that we need to learn. That, you know, if we're going to be blessed of God, we need to be out there doing something. We need to give God something to bless. We cannot sit back and say, God bless me. God's going to say, yeah, help me out here. Do something so I can bless you. And that's what God, what God expects of us. Um, but the other truth we get out of this passage, which is very enlightening for us, is that God places a hedge around us. Now, when that hedge is up, Satan has no way in, because, you know, that's what Satan was complaining about. He said, you, God, you put this hedge up, and I can't get to him. And it's very important that the hedge goes up. And I want you to notice the, the, there were three areas in this uh, passage that, uh, Satan highlights, which, as I say, it's factual. This is actually what transpired, where the hedge went up around. He said, you've made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side. And so there are the three these three areas that God protects. And we need to ensure that this hedge that God put around Job is around our lives. And that is around ourselves, around our households and around everything we own because then Satan has no way in if that hedge of protection is up and it's so important for believers to walk in that place when that hedge of protection is up because as we saw very clear as, as Satan complained he, he said I can't get to this guy you put this hedge up and he's off limits to me and now you've also blessed him and so everything he does just gets blessed of you and increases and so, you know, Satan was obviously very frustrated about the whole issue because all he could do is stand back and watch Job being blessed. He couldn't, you know, his demons would have loved to be able to 
steal from Job and, and just, you know, destroy what Job was doing. But that hedge of protection was up and Satan had no way in. And so it's so important for because, you know, what's a, no, not the right uh, viewpoint, but I mean, if God blesses us and then Satan steals from us, well, you know, we kind of just not going to win because as soon as God blesses, so Satan destroys. And so we need, we, we need both things taking place in our lives. We need the blessing of God to give us increase. Let God bless the work of our hands and give us increase in our... In, in our because the moment that God started blessing uh, Job, he, got, he, in, in, um, he had increase in that which he had. And so Job became a richer person. And that's the, 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 the ultimate, not the ultimate, but I mean, that's just de facto what's going to take place. When God blesses, the increase comes about. We did say earlier in a previous teaching that God is a God of increase. And so God wants to bless us and He wants us to prosper and to increase. Um, and so if the hedge is up, that increase remains and continues to grow. But if the hedge is down, well then the thief comes in and then he steals. And so we need, we're back to where we started. We have to uh, increase all over again. And so the hedge is so important for um, the Christian to, to walk in. Because it's when that hedge was up in Job's life that nothing went wrong in his life from this point of view. There was no sickness or disease that came upon him or his children. No one was stealing from him. There was no destruction taking place. Nobody was dying from accidents that were occurring and, and that type of thing taking place in Job's life. Everything was being blessed of God. And as I say, Satan was extremely frustrated because all he could do was look upon it and, and watch the blessing of God. He couldn't do anything about it. Um, and so that, that was the, the position that Job lived in. And that is the position that our Lord Jesus Christ wants his saints to live in. That's why he said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He wants us to live where Job was living. Uh, when the hedge of protection was up. That's what um, the Lord's perfect will is for his saints. Is that we walk in that particular place. And somebody said, um, but I thought we were meant to suffer tribulations in this life. Yes, we are, without a doubt. The scripture is very plain on the issue. Um, 1 Peter 4.16 is... Uh, highlights the truth for us, but he says we're to suffer as Christians. He says if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed in this. And so as believers, we're meant to be uh, incurring tribulation in our lives as a result of being Christians. So we're not meant to incur sickness and disease. We're not meant to incur poverty. We're not meant to incur um, incidents of destruction taking place in our lives. That hedge is up around us. It should be up around us so that none of those incidents occur. But um, incurring tribulation because we're Christians, yes, we're, we're appointed. The church is appointed to tribulation. She is not appointed to wrath. And so we, people ostracizing us because we're believers, people not wanting having anything to do with us or mocking us uh, because we're believers are in Christ, yes, that is the kind of suffering that Christians are called to suffer. And, and now that kind of suffering can go all the way. I mean, think about the church in Jerusalem. When they uh, came into the kingdom of God, the Bible says that they had their goods plundered. In other words, the Jews went in and dispossessed them. They dragged them out of their homes and they cast, threw them into jail. 
um, and then tried to get them to blaspheme. Those who would not blaspheme, they were then um, killed, martyred. Paul tells us all about that. And so, you know, suffering in those areas, having your stuff taken away from you because you're a Christian, yes, that is scriptural. Being killed because you're a Christian, martyrdom because you're a Christian, yes, that's scriptural. But um, having stuff stolen from you just because you're in living in the neighborhood and everybody else lives in that same neighborhood, um, no, that's not what God expects of His saints. When we suffer tribulation, it has to be as a result of us being Christians. So somebody says, yeah, my car was stolen from me um, because I'm a Christian. Well, no. There's, you know, <laughs> it's not a case of... Now, if your car gets taken from you because they come and they say, you're a Christian, so you can't have a car. I'm talking about the government of the, of the nation, for argument's sake. It says, all Christians are not allowed to have cars, so we can take your cars away from you. Well, now that's legit. That's the kind of suffering that God's called us to suffer. But if your car gets stolen because, you know, some thief came along and stole it, well, now you're not suffering because you're a Christian. You're suffering like everybody else in the world. The world goes through all of this. The world goes through sickness and disease. That's part of life for them. The world goes through um, things being stolen all the time. As part of life for them. The world gets, uh, goes through um, your poverty uh, and the lack coming into their lives. That's part of their life. Because why? They're under the God of this world. He's called the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, talking about Satan. And you know, living in his realm is not a good place to live. And so when we have those types of incidents occurring in our lives, which are happening to your next door neighbor who's an unbeliever, and it happens to you, you, it didn't happen to you because you're the Christian. It happened to you because you allowed your adversary to do what he does to everybody else in the world. And so as Christians, we're not to experience what the world experiences. Again, go back to our Lord. I have come that you might have life, and have it more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's what he does all the time in the world. And so if he starts doing it to Christians, Christians mustn't get confused and say, well, I'm suffering now this because I'm a Christian. No, Satan hasn't singled you out from that point of view because you're a Christian. He does it to um, the most devout Buddhist. He does it to the most devout Muslim out there. He does it to the most devout Jew out there. Uh, so, you know, he's going to do it to you too if... The Christian lets him. But we have this um, facility available to us, and that is the hedge of protection from God. The world doesn't have that. They don't enjoy that. And so they're completely vulnerable to the wiles of the devil. The Christians aren't. But, yes, we are meant to suffer tribulation. So we do need to differentiate between the type of suffering that Christians are called to suffer. If what occurs in our lives occurs as a testimony because we are Christians. This is what we are now incurring suffering. Uh, well, then that's godly. That's, that's the way that... Because again, the scripture says, if any man desires to live a godly life, he will suffer persecution. And so because of you walking in godliness, people don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. People at work ostracize you because you, know, you don't go out drinking with them and that type of thing. Now that's legitimate suffering. But again, having sickness coming upon the Christian, I'm not knocking sickness. I'm not saying that, you know, because there are a lot of, I read, I'm just going to deal with this topic of the hedge today. I want to get into any kind of controversial issues. 
But we need to, as I say, we, if we're going to exercise our faith in this area, we do need to be, have very clear uh, understanding as to who does what. Jesus gives us life and life and abundantly. Satan steals, kills, and destroys. And so if you get that thinking right, then you're going to walk right. And, and, you know, another way we can look at this, because again, people, as I say, a lot of Christians get very confused in this. Um, the Bible tells us very plainly, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So in all things, we must always look at Jesus as our ultimate example. Um, because the Bible says that he who abides in him ought himself to walk even as he walked. 1 John 2, 6. And so we as Christians should always look at Jesus. Even Paul, when he put himself forward as an example to the church, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so Christ is the ultimate. And we need to be walking. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ living in me. And so we go back and we look at our Lord Jesus when he walked the earth. That's the, the example he set us. He, he said, I am the way. Now, when he said that, he talked. He meant he's the only way to God the Father. But he also said, this is how you should live, Christian. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so Jesus is our example. He's our older brother. He lived on this planet uh, for 40 years. And he set the example. We have his life recorded for us in the Gospels as an example as to how he should, how he lived and how we should live. And so if we look at our life of our Lord Jesus, never got sick. If we look at the life of our Lord Jesus, nothing was ever stolen from him. You say Judas stole out of the money box. Yes, he did. But that was uh, with Jesus' permission. Jesus knew that Judas was stealing, and there was a purpose behind it. I think we've dealt with it already in this series. Um, and so that's another, you know, that's not a case of, you know, Jesus didn't know and, and Satan was stealing from Jesus. Jesus allowed that because hey, Judas was being raised up for a specific, specific purpose. In fact, Satan was being deceived. That's not the right word. Uh, God was being shooed through the avenue of uh, Judas. Satan didn't know what was really going on. Um, no, no incidents of destruction took place in the life of our Lord Jesus. Um, so much so that even Satan himself um, quoted this. You recall when our Lord was in the, the wilderness being tempted by Satan. Look at what Satan said to him, Matthew 4, 6. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And so our Lord Jesus Christ lived there. Satan knew that. That's why he could quote that, that uh, psalm to our Lord Jesus. He knew that, that that passage of Scripture spoke about the Lord Jesus. Uh, you know, sad that a lot of the Jews don't know that that spoke about the Lord Jesus, but Satan knew. And so he quoted that Scripture. But that was also the truth. Jesus never once stubbed his toe. You know, I think all of us have stubbed our toe at some stage, and it's very painful when that happens. That never happened to Jesus. He never stubbed his toe. We need to understand where Jesus walked. He walked in such a place of protection from God that even the angels of God bore Jesus up lest he, dashed, lest he stub his toe. And so Jesus never stubbed his toe. And that's the kind of place 
that Jesus walked in, and that's the kind of place we're meant to walk in. For he who abides in him ought himself to walk even as he walked. And so again, I'm just looking at Jesus as the example. No sickness, no stealing, no destruction. That's where the Christian needs to walk. Why, why did that Jesus walk there? Because that hedge that was around Job was around Jesus. And so nothing ever ha happened to Jesus from that point of view. Now, was he persecuted? All the time. Was he ostracized? All the time. Did he suffer tribulation? All the time. But he suffered that as the Son of God because he was living a godly lifestyle. And the world hated him because of that. But they never stole from him. Satan couldn't put sickness on him. And he never stubbed his toe. So that's the kind of life that the Christian needs to walk in. Because God's not a respecter of persons. And so that which he did for his firstborn son, he'll do for every one of his sons, as long as we are prepared to claim that from him and walk in that place. That's the invite that we have from the Lord to walk in that place. Because, um, you know, that's where the abundant life really uh, starts taking place in the life of a believer. Now, I understand there's all the other sides of it as well. Walking in peace and joy and... Uh, um, um, meekness, oh, you know, the fruit of the Spirit as well, um, giving and all of that. That's the abundant life. But we have to deal with our adversary because we're living in a very hostile environment. You know, this world is not a good place to live outside of Christ. And so inside of Christ, we need to be um, walking in the fullness that our Lord has provided for us and not walking as this world walks. Because most Christians... You know, they just go through life anticipating that sickness is a part of life, anticipating that having stuff stolen from you is a part of life, anticipating that um, having accidents and having a, a stubbing your toe is a part of life. It's actually not. It's not a part of the abundant life that the Lord Jesus Christ has come to give us. And that's what the Lord is enticing us as believers to step out into. He wants us to get out of the boat where the whole world is lying and sitting, and He wants us to come and walk on the water with Him. That's where the abundant life is. So how did our Lord do that? Well, let's have a look at it. John chapter 14, verse 30. Our Lord speaks about this issue. And He says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Talking about Satan. And so our Lord said, Satan's got nothing in him. Satan had no access to our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is that? Because Satan, uh, because Jesus walked completely free from sin. He never once committed any sin. Now, sin is what opens the door to Satan. Um, you, you go back and look at Job's life again. Job always offered sacrifices for his his sons and his daughters after they had party because. He said, just in case they had cursed God in their hearts. And so Job was continually um, confessing his sin and the sins of his family before God. And you know, that kept the hedge up. Now, I know God did take the hedge down for a period of time, and we're not going to touch on that today. Um, but we're talking about walk, the Christian walking in the abundant life. And we need to be walking where our Lord Jesus walked. God never took the hedge down on Jesus until what happened until the Garden of Gethsemane, when he became, he and knew no sin was made to be sin for us. That's when the hedge went, and that's when Satan came in, and so 
our Lord went through a Torah time suffering on our behalf so that we wouldn't have to incur that. And so the hedge that was placed around Jesus is because Jesus walked completely free from sin. And so we need to get to that place where we too can get to the place where Satan has no place in us. Jesus said Satan has no place in him. We need to be living there. Because that's obviously that's utopia in this life. So that's where we want to go. So how do we get there? 1 John chapter 5 verse 18. The scripture says, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. So we want our hedge of protection around our lives, around the lives of our household and around everything we are. Well, then we've got to dwell in that place that we are to keep ourselves. The scripture says here, he who has been born of God keeps himself. Now that word keep is, means to God. He guards himself. Guards himself against what? God himself against sin. For he says, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. And so, if we want to keep Satan at bay in our lives, then we have to stay away from sin, because sin it opens the door. Sin is what drops the hedge down and gives Satan access to our lives. And we have to be so guarded in this area. That's why the scripture says, he who had been born of God keeps himself, guards himself in this area. He doesn't succumb to the temptation to sin. Now, Satan knows the, the, the rules of the game, so to speak. And so he knows that the way that he gets in, he has to get the believer to commit sin. And so he produces the temptation. He brings the temptation across the believer's path. If he can get the believer to succumb to that temptation to, to sin, and they then commit sin, well, there you go. The hedge is down and uh, Satan has access. And so things can then start taking place. Satan then has a legal right to um, affect the believer's life in the area of finances, but obviously sickness and disease will also uh, chew up the, the believer's finances. And so it's very important for um, Christians to stay away from sin because if we keep away from sin, we keep the door closed, the hedge stays up, and our adversary cannot steal, kill, and destroy uh, in our lives. Again, in this passage of Scripture, um, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, Scripture says, Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So the Apostle Paul tells it to us very plainly as well, that what gives place to the devil is when the Christian commits sin. And so if we want to have Satan have no access to our lives, the lives of our household and all that we own, don't forget, that's where the hedge was up around Job's life. So it's very important that you know, we, we put that hedge around all three areas, our own lives, the lives of our household, and all that we own. Um, if we want to keep that hedge up, then we have to stay away from sin. And we can do that because... The scripture in uh, Romans 6, 2 says we have died to sin. You know, because a lot of people struggle with that concept. You know, one of the, 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 the most pro prolific lies that is sold to the church by Satan and taken pretty much hook, line, and sinker is that, Christian, it's impossible for you not to sin, so just give up. And, you know, you're going to sin between now and time that you go to heaven. Um, just accept that you're locked in life. You're called... 
And uh, you know, the, the saying goes around, we are just sinners saved by grace. No, 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 you are saints saved by grace. You were a sinner saved by grace. But we are saints. God never calls his church sinners, he calls them saints. And so it is very possible for Christians to walk free from sin. Uh, because the book of Romans in chapter 6 it is so plain that we have died to sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Uh, because we have died to sin, sin has no dominion over us. And so it is very possible for believers to walk in that place where they no longer commit known sin. I'm not talking about unknown sin. We all do commit unknown sin all the time. But God doesn't hold us accountable for unknown sin. And we're not going to get into any kind of teaching on that today. He only holds us accountable for known sin. And so we can, when we do commit known sin, confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, 1 John 1, 9. Um, but the first prize, don't sin. That's why um, the Apostle Paul says, and John says it as well. He said, uh, do not sin, be angry, but do not sin. So it is right to get angry. Uh, Jesus got angry on numerous occasions in the Gospels. Go read it. He got angry. Um, and so, you know, we can get angry about certain issues because, you know, if Jesus got angry, we're not immune. We're going to get angry about certain issues. But the scripture says, but do not sin. And so that's where we, and the Christian, it's quite easy for the Christian to walk free from sin if they understand the truth about where they are in Christ. Um, and so, yeah, that's where we have to, if we want the hedge up, we have to stay away from sin. You cannot mess around with sin and expect the hedge to be up. It's not going to be there. Um, and Satan will, and he knows, Satan knows. I mean, you know, they, they, his angels watch you all the time. They, they, we have God's angel with us you know, from the time we're born into the earth. We, before we're born, God assigns at least one angel to every believer. And that angel never leaves us. That angel stays with us until we go to the Lord. In, in fact, the angel... Um, you know, is there when we go to the Lord. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Um, but that angel never leaves. Now, that, you know, Satan, there's, there, there are myriads of demons out there. Um, and so, you know, it's quite feasible for him to allocate one or two demons to any individual believer to watch them to see, you know, is anything guy, this guy opening up for us? So we can, yes, he's done this. All right. So now, then Satan goes to God and said, you know, uh, Mike's done this. So I want to be able to do that. And God kind of hand out time if Mike has stepped out of light into darkness by committing sin. And so we need to not give any place to the devil. Who's the responsibility is that? Ours. It's us. It's us. God doesn't do it. We can't say, God, keep the devil away from me. No, he won't do it. Now, we stay out of sin and then automatically the devil can't get to us. He has no way in and we need to be walking in that place. But there is another aspect, and that aspect is the authority that we have to walk in as believers in the earth. It's so important for believers to walk in the authority that he's given to the church in the earth, because it's, this, it's, it's like a, a two legs of the, when we want to walk. You, to, you walk with your right and your left leg. You know? And so staying away from sin is the one leg Using your authority is the other leg. If we're going to walk in this, we have to have both. You cannot do it just on the one. You can't hop along. And so the scripture we're going to look at is in Psalm 91, verse 1 to 12. Scripture says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, 
He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Verse 10. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And so, Psalm 91, a lot of Christians use to claim the Lord's protection over their lives. But this particular psalm is speaking about our Lord Jesus Christ, because again, we've quoted it already in that Satan quoted it to the Lord when he tempted him in the wilderness. He used Psalm 91. He quoted that to the Lord Jesus. And he said, you know, he's going to give his angels charge over you and keep you in your, all your ways, lest you, you, and in their hands they'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And so this Psalm 91 is actually speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, but I want you to notice what is, has, comes about in the Psalm. Because it starts off by saying, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. This is the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the psalm is written about Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says this about God. He says, God is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. And so the point that I wanted to bring out from this passage of Scripture is that the hedge of protection is not automatic. So we, we said, if we walk free from sin, then the hedge goes up. Yes and no. Actually, it doesn't go up. It, 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 the potential is there for the hedge to go up. Okay, um, so what I'm trying to do is get across this point here, is that we actually have to do something else. We have to do what our Lord Jesus Christ did. Again, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so what Jesus did is something we have to do as well. And so Psalm 91 is God's protection afforded to his saints, without a doubt. We can claim that and God will provide that protection for us. But it's not automatic. It, it was not automatic in our Lord's life. Because the scripture says, Jesus said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. And so Jesus actually confessed this psalm over His life. Now, if the hedge goes up automatically because there's no sin in our lives, well then Jesus wouldn't have had to confess Psalm 91 over His life. Um, because Jesus never sinned. And so the hedge would, should have been up automatically. But that's not the case. There's two things we have to do. We have to stay away from sin, and we have to claim the protection of the Lord by faith. Jesus lived by faith. The just shall live by faith. And so that's, we said this right at the outset of the series, that in order for us to enjoy the blessing of God, we have to, claim it by faith. We have to exercise our faith. And one of the ways we do it is we have to say it. We have to claim that which God has made available to us. It is not auto, There's no promise of God. All the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. They Yes and amen. But the Christian has to claim the promise. The promise does not fall off of the tree like a ripe apple. The Christian actually has to exercise their faith in God, speak it over their lives in order for it to become reality in their lives. Jesus had to do it. The scripture, he says that. Jesus said, I will say of the Lord. That's the word, that's my Lord Jesus Christ speaking. And he said, 
God is my refuge. He's my refuge, my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. And so if the Lord Jesus Christ, who was sinless, had to confess the Word of God over His life in order to enjoy the blessing of God in His life, well, we're no different. We're going to have to do exactly the same thing. And so if we're wanting to enjoy the, the hedge of protection um, around our lives, around our household, and around all that we own, well, then there are the, the two things we have to do. We have to stay away from sin, and we have to claim the protection of God over our lives. Now, there are many scriptures in the Bible that deal with God's protection. Psalm 91 is one of them. It's a very good um, passage of scripture to use. A lot of Christians do live by that. Our Lord Jesus confessed that over his life. So there's nothing wrong with us confessing exactly the same thing over our lives. But if we uh, uh, apply those two principles in our lives, in this area, in that we keep away from sin and we confess God's protection over our lives, over our lives, our household, and all that we own. Well, then the hedge does go up and Satan has no way in. And so we will not experience the thief coming into our lives to steal, to kill, and to destroy our lives. Um, you will find sickness and disease not um, being made manifest in your life. You will find your car doesn't get stolen every couple of years or so. Your cell phone doesn't get stolen every week or so. Uh, that's the type of thing that will stop. You won't stub your toe anymore. And a lot of Christians yeah, don't believe they can get to that place, but that's where we're meant to live. As I said, God's no respecter of persons. That which he did for his firstborn, he'll do for his second, third, fourth born. Um, because it's by faith. And it's no longer we who live. It, you know, the same Jesus who walked this earth without stubbing his toe lives in us. And he doesn't want to stub his toe now that he's living in us. So, you know, he'll teach us how to walk free from stubbing our toes. So, you know, I'm saying a bit flippant, but that's really the place that our Lord wants us to walk in. And we can walk in there. And we can uh, enjoy that level of um, protection uh, in this life. Um, and we need to. But I'm going to continue in the next uh, teaching. We're going to just finish off this on uh, this area of authority because uh, it's such a vital area if we're going to experience the blessing of God in our lives and that uh, blessing be sustained so that our, our adversary doesn't come and try and rob from us. But we're going to end the teaching on that. Amen.